Hi, Doug. Hi, Derek. Do I sound awake? You sound awake. You sounded like um, scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm gonna fall asleep. Okay. So I'm so tired today. You. I know. Don't bore me. No, ooh, no, I'm kidding. I'm so tired today. So <laughs> maybe it might make for an even better chat that we're about to have. I could because I could just start rambling Unfiltered. about the most inane shit, and you guys are gonna have to put up with it. That's Sorry. right, you guys. You're our prisoners to an unfiltered, unpredictable Karen. Sorry. So, season five, episode 11, Soul Sister, S O L E. But get it? Yeah. S O L E. Soul Sister. I don't know. Soul Sister. I was super bummed about this episode. Oh, talk to Dr. Doug. What, what bums you out? I don't know. It was just like, I was like, you know, I suffered through season four. <laughs> And, and season five came in and I was like, oh, my suffering was not in vain. And now I'm like, we are slowly sliding back into season four territory. Well, are we sliding back into season four in your mind because you think it's going off the rails, like it's crazy, or because it's just meh? Because it's meh. Yeah. So that to me is different and still better than season four. But, but it's nonetheless, yes, it's bananas. Meh. It's still also kind of bananas. Like, like we're still seeing these characters do things that are just beyond stupid. Yeah, and it's a lot of them. Yeah, and it's a lot it's of them. And like I and I and like I cringe when I read like book reviews and like you know, whoever was writing the review is like, the main character was too stupid to live. Like, that makes me, like, super cringe because, like, I don't know, sometimes a lot of, sometimes people are too stupid to live. Um, you know, White House. <clears throat> um, but, but, like, you know, this I have to say, like, they're too stupid to fucking live. And it's like, and I'm angry because they can't cut Matt a break. Like, all of a sudden, now is he going to be dealing with an abusive boyfriend? Like, because that's where I feel like they're setting him up. Like, I know I'm diving into a lot of this, this stuff, but, like, I just need to, like, vomit out my complaint here. Like, I feel like they're setting Matt up for, like, an abusive relationship. And it's like, Jesus Christ, could you just let him have a relationship? And with... um with Sid, like, she's never going to get a happily ever after, and I love her, and she deserves one, you know, and the whole dynamic between Jane and Sid, it's like, once again, they've completely thrown out the Bible, um, and the, the show Bible in this episode, and, you know, and then, I don't know, I'm just kind of feeling like, and with Peter and Amanda, and, like, like none of these characters make sense anymore. Yeah, I'm here to validate this. Because I feel the same way. The, uh, the writers have basically confused the idea of giving your characters conflict to punishing your characters. And also, yes, they're all making stupid decisions that aren't really dramatically beneficial. I mean, and they're, they're making decisions, but they're not really entertaining decisions at this point. Right, and they're not decisions necessarily, I think, that these characters would be making. Right, now... In fairness, these are characters who have changed from story to story and season to season, some of them, in the past. Right, so but we don't yeah, know what right the now, fuck they're 
up to. Yeah, I but, mean, yes. but yeah, but so it's not like this is the first cheat they've ever pulled. But nonetheless, they're making uh, decisions that are, contradict what we have currently known them to be. Right. Right. So it just, you know, and like even the conflicts that they're bringing up, like the whole conflict between Alice, um, Allison and Jake, right? Like, I don't know. I felt like there's, there is no there there, you know, that like the conflict there was like, you had the Jane conflict and then that disappeared. And now they just have this like weird conflict between them. Whereas if they wanted to have, whereas like, I wish it was more relationship oriented rather than shooters oriented. <laughs> sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like, because that's just a stupid conflict to have. Yeah, I they, they are definitely kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel right now for Allison and Jake. My problem overall is sort of all of the things that you have just mentioned, but but it's also a larger observation I had even back in the day which is this show used to be so good, it used to be better than almost any other show at entwining all of their different characters' subplots into major plots, and they would collide, the characters would collide. They're all almost in their own bubbles. Yes. And so Allison and Jake, they may or may not be strong as a couple, but they're in their own world. Right. They are not, they are not dealing with anyone else. Now that we've gotten rid of that horrific storyline with Jane stalking Jake and Allison, Jane has this new discovery, and Jane is her own island. Matt, as always, is an island. And that is deflating everything that the show, you know, what, what really buoyed the show at its because even the intersection of Taylor and Peter... Uh, is starting to kind of, you know, where we're seeing the non-bubble of the, of, of, you know, of, of the room, not roommates, but apartment complex, you know, neighbors. Yes. That's the word. Um, Even, even that, the, it, it feels like they're both bubbled still, even though they're, and maybe it's because. Even when they collide, they overlap so much. And I can't remember the last time, our whole cast was together or close to our whole cast was together for any reason. And I don't know that it even happens again. And again, it just feels like these people could move out like Michael did. And we would just still like, and it would still be the same. Like the the only thing they have in common at this point is they live in the same apartment complex. Right. It's almost like, and I keep thinking that there must've been some conscious decision slash mandate from Fox to rein the show back in um, because it feels very, I mean, it's still ridiculous, but it also feels very real worldy. Almost mm-hmm. every storyline now is actually about the people's jobs and careers and the problems they're having in their careers, which was definitely not, these limits did not exist in the past. It, and it, so the whole thing has taken on a very different tone. Than yeah, yeah, the way it used to be. But but it the thing that I bemoan, at least the one thing I'll bemoan in this episode, is that how all of them are are in their own thing. Like whatever is happening with Michael, Kimberly, and Megan, isn't touching anything else. Right. Nobody knows this is going on. Right. Yeah, and the, the, I guess it almost feels like season one all over again, the very beginning of season one, where it really is just about these jobs. 
But is it, but that's what the the series was created for. Was supposed to show young Gen X in the real world for the first time. But like I had said, I guess it was last week. These they're not so young anymore. No, but you know, it's one thing to have Billy as Alyssa will always bring up. You know, wanting to be the next Ernest Hemingway and driving his taxi cab. Right. Versus Billy failing upward with all these clients and a lot of money at the ad agency. And you I know, kind I miss the taxi cab characters. It's, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I guess they brought in Samantha, but she's like the only one that is, that is like that, that is like fresh out of college and first, you know, first job in the workforce and struggling to make their way. I just think like they should have cleaned house and they should have started all over again. Yeah. I think I would and, have been out earlier if in real life, if that had been what they did, but but yes, I see what weird. But I, I just feel like that would have been true to the, you know, maybe keep Amanda on as the as the, you know, house mom. <laughs> but otherwise, I kind of felt like they're the the premise of the show. Like we've definitely moved beyond what the show was supposed to be, which was young Gen X starting out their lives and their careers. And now we've moved into middle management and middle management isn't yeah. fun. It sucks. Yeah, it sucks. It really, really sucks. So that's where we are. That's where we are. Um, indeed. Um, yeah. Where do you want to start for anyone who we haven't completely dissuaded from, from listening? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a blank slate. I, I took no notes. So should we just go with Matt since that was like a scene? It really was. But once again, they gave him one scene with no follow-up. Yes, let's get that out of the way. And this was, I thought, particularly unfair because this was a scene that begged for follow-up. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll get follow-up in the next episode. But yeah, you have a follow-up scene. I mean, we'll talk about it momentarily. But yes, you, he deserves more than a scene in episode, period. But uh, based on what they show us, we're left going, huh? And we need a, a scene that responds to that. So, right. So go for it. So apparently um, Matt is dating a very wealthy man and this very wealthy man takes Matt to very fancy places. Um, yeah, like last week they went to that black tie gala. Right. And which they should have actually shown us as opposed to just them in the car on the way home. But yeah, but what, you know, they, don't. they don't like doing those things. And so <laughs> now they're having dinner in a very fancy looking restaurant. And um, Matt orders a drink, and the good doc. What the hell is his name? I can never remember his Dan name. Hathaway. Dan Hathaway. Dan, thank you. And Dan is kind of like, well, you know, be careful. And so Matt sends the drink away. Um, and just as the waiter leaves with taking away Matt's drink, a drunk dude stumbles up to their table and starts making like these strange sort of innuendo comments about Dan. And it turns out he is an old boyfriend. Now this actor was terrible. And yeah. I know that we have had some grown worthy performances on Mel Melrose place before. Usually like Billy gets like the award every damn show. This guy took it this time. Yeah, he was, he was pretty bad. He was I'm not sure that there is a way to play this successfully, but uh, no one helped him find it. No, it was truly awful. It was like a drunk guy 
but who's also gay and he didn't know how to be gay like so he decided like to put the lisp in do you know what i mean yeah. like it was that it was yeah. offensive like the way that he was act like his acting yeah it was very yes very stereotypically drunk and fake yeah it was it was really really offensive um and and he basically starts telling Matt like to get out while he can or else what was he saying like Dan is gonna make you his puppy or I don't know what it was I think he said puppet but he said you'll be sorry if you stick around yeah and it was like and it and it had and then Dan kind of like got up and sort of like grabbed him by the lapels and was like you have to go and um and 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 it was it was like kind of oddly violent, and I and I was just wondering like where the hell are they taking this relationship now? You know, and Matt's yeah. sort of sitting there, and you know, Dan's like, "I'm so sorry you had to see that," and Matt's sitting there like, "I thought you handled it well," and I'm like, "Matt, no, he didn't. He didn't handle it well. He handled it piss poorly." But anyway, but anyway. the whole thing is, I mean, you could say a lot of things are contrived, but this one was like so full out of the sky contrived that it's like well like why bother yeah and someone literally came over to your table and was like you don't know me i don't know you this boyfriend is bad news and we're gonna find out that this boyfriend is bad news so it's like i mean then like you should have just stopped writing this storyline and come up with something different better Right. And then they just leave us with that. Like, right. There's, so this is the kind of scene that then begs for a follow-up scene in the car where Matt's like, okay, so now that he's gone, what did he, what did he mean by that? Right. What was your relationship like? So Dan can either lie or actually give us some insight as to what might have been the story there. Right. And so they just kind of drop this bombshell scene in where you know Matt's in trouble, you know, like Matt's heading for trouble here with this guy, and then they just leave it, and it's it, yeah. and that's it. That's all we see of Matt. That's all we see of Dan. Nothing else. It's over. That's right. And again, when isn't Matt headed for trouble when with a guy? Yeah, at this point, always. Like, where's where is the relationship that doesn't open a door for Matt to be? used or abused or heartbroken right. where's the relationship if it can't last forever with matt that at least is the guy is good and matt is the one who is flawed and fucks it up just to give us a little bit uh you know of the flip side of of things yeah and we haven't seen that in a while because he fucked up one relationship didn't he well was there the moment jeffrey the one who was hiv positive but i still yeah. think that was really just jeffrey being like this is uncomfortable for me. I'm going. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there was still some, but but even like I I actually like liked Jeffrey, you know, uh, and I liked those moments, and uh, they yeah. definitely rang more true than this bullshit that's going on. Yeah, where should Matt, we go from here? Matt deserves better, so but we're moving is, on. Yeah, it's always yeah. Um, I don't know. Should we go with? I mean, I say we do Michael, Megan, Kimberly. Yeah, okay. Or should we just do Jake and Allison? Because well, like, this is so stupid. We yeah, it is stupid. We can. I feel like there's a little bit of like Billy thrown in there, but um. Yeah, but it's sort of I I don't know. It's kind of it, it it's Billy and Allison, but it doesn't have anything to do with Jake. any of the other stories. 
again. Like it has nothing yeah. to do with any of the other the other storylines that are going on. It's just once again like Billy and Allison existing outside of everything else. Um, I mean, I think the first scene is just Jake is still pouting from last week because Allison was like, well, I'm not sure that I want to be a co-owner of Shooters. In fact, I think I said I did not. So Jake is like, all right, you and your college degree, you think you're too good for me. And Allison's like, Jake, I don't really think that's what I said. Can't you be nice? And he's like, it's not a good look on Jake. I'm not sure I quoted him verbatim when I said, but maybe I'm close. Am I close? I guess you're close. Did I lose you? Oh my God, you fell asleep. I fell asleep. No, I guess you're close. I mean, I guess the thing that sort of like stuck out in my head was that I get, well, after, after Jake did all his whining, that's when Allison went and sat on the park bench and looked really sad, right? So the next time we see Allison, Billy is running and Allison is like sitting head in hand on a park bench. Yeah. Yeah. And, and basically they have their friendship conversation what's the matter oh jake wants to give me half of his bar again i don't like i understand why she's upset about his reaction to her turning him down but i don't quite understand why she's upset about him making the offer oh i think it's because it's not really an offer it was an assumption and therefore kind of like it's not a bribe, a claim. And I think that's what she objects to here. Because he's like, oh, Allison almost left Shooters to go back to D&D. And I know that she wants more money. And she only came here because she had no choice. And that was before we're dating. Now we're dating. If I lose her professionally, do I lose her relationship-wise, too? I think it was more about See, I I read the gesture as Allison wasn't necessary, or he thinks Allison wasn't happy with her advertising career. And let's face it, Allison often wasn't happy with her advertising career. Yes, there's and, a lot to support that. And he wants to give her a career rather than a job um, because he feels like that's her, like what she should do like she should have a career she has a college education she has this sort of professional experience and i think that he feels like he feels like he's holding her back from having that career because i think that he thinks she sees shooters as kind of i don't know a safe haven i just felt like he was giving her he he wanted to help give her a future that was not in advertising because it made her so unhappy. Well, I think you can say that he was trying to do that, but I think you can also say that 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 needs a conversation and not just him saying, here, I didn't talk to you about it, but I went to the lawyers and drew this up, and now shooters can be half yours. I completely I mean, I agree with that. And I, and I, I, don't think agree I think that's what they're having her be resistant to. I don't agree with his reaction to her turning it down but i do think that it has come from a place of good and yeah, i think so and too. i still don't and i get her reaction to being upset about him being upset but again i don't get the upset about you know it's not like he was like oh i think you know i think 
It wasn't like, I think you're going to be a waitress forever because you were terrible at advertising. And the other thing, too, like, I don't know, like, he's making a really bad business decision. <laughs> yeah. We, we know Allison doesn't work. Like, at all. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, like, she hasn't put in an honest day's work at D&D since she was at the reception desk. She seems to be pretty good taking orders at shooters. Yeah, so maybe this is and her also, path. Look, if she does fall off the wagon, she doesn't have to leave her job to have the alcohol. Right. I mean, you know, it, and that's the other thing. Like, where's the struggle? Well, which which struggle? The, booze. the fact that she's in, in the fact that she's a recovering alcoholic working at a bar. Yes. And Jake likes to have his beers. And all of a sudden he's not drinking his beers anymore. And. You know, I don't know. The whole thing is just, um, you know, she she doesn't seem to have any struggle with being in a bar and working that job. Um, I'll tease one thing out, which is that will resurface this season. Oh, well then. Okay. There is, there is, I think, some very significant drama to come between the two of them later on this year. But right now, there's nothing. And so they stretch out a minor disagreement slash reaction, slash misunderstanding to give them something over the course of an episode. So, I mean, we've already talked, I think, longer than they've had scenes in the episode here. But yeah, the point of that scene of her on the bench is that she and Billy seem to be on okay terms where he can come and listen to her talk about her romantic problems with Jake to Billy as a friend and even say that she's never loved anyone as much as Jake. Yeah, which, which has to smart, but because it's Billy, I don't give a shit. It just and it goes right over his head anyway. Or does it? No, I don't. Or um, no, I think he caught that one. Oh, all right. But anyway, um, after that conversation, she's kind of like, "Teach me the ins and outs of the business." She goes back to Jake and and. And I'll make a decision in a year. But then, but then doesn't she say something like, like in another scene, she's come back from the deed place where, I don't know, it made it sound like she did something with the deed. Did, did he put her name on the deed and took I it? I think she, he ends up putting her name on it. Oh, yeah. all right. So I guess she removed her name. I don't know. I was very confused by all that. Because I was like, if you if you need a year to like, why are why are what's going on with this deed? Like, that's not a year. I was all very confused. No, I I really just remembered that they like kiss and made up. But um, the only other thing is that like she, you know, like by saying she'll you know learn the tricks of the trade in the next year, she's like, I'm here, I'm committed. And Jake's like, that's what I was really worried about because my other relationships ended because they were free and easy. And I was like, I mean, what relationships are you talking? Like, Shelly? Your two days with Sid? I mean, your relationships came to end because they were all ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Well, except for Joe. Not Joe, which they never even got to say goodbye. Yeah. We mourned. Jane's relationships was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. but... But, but because yeah. it's mired in trauma, we don't talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I that the whole thing was stupid. But they're still together. So they're together, guys. Yeah. Yay. Okay. All right. So now Michael, Megan, and Kimberly, which also is veering into stupid territory. I This is the one that really grinds my gears right now. And I think it did 
the first time around too. But I just know more about start to finish this time. Um, what were you going to say? I guess I don't feel like what they're doing is the worst in terms of bringing, like, I feel like it's kind of an interesting twist to have, like, a sex fiend Michael, um, you know, getting, getting it on with a hooker that his wife bought him and he doesn't know. Like, that I like. But now we're, but I don't know, like, it's not, it, but for, even though I like it, it's not working for me. And I'm well, not quite sure I why. think this is one of the things that has bothered me about this. And I, let me talk it and tell me if I'm correct. I don't know if it's the same as the old Kimberly storylines, but what they're trying to do here is make Kimberly both the villain, the architect of the problem, and also the victim. And I don't feel any sympathy for her as a victim right here. And I don't find anything interesting about her as a villain. Because it's not really psychotic Kimberly. It's just, you know, it's devious Kimberly. Kimberly, who is also now sad. But, but you know, it's like, oh, okay, you have a brain tumor. And you didn't know that when you were first trying to push Michael into Megan's arms. But, but now you do. And you're still trying to do something even more drastic and drawn out. And... I don't care. And I just don't understand, like, why doesn't she just tell Michael about the tumor? Like, exactly. what is all that? Like, why why is she hiding this from him? Right. And also, there's, we've never been given a compelling reason as to why she refuses to tell him. That's exactly right. I, like, it is so obvious I have forgotten to state that. Yes, they have yeah. never really made us understand why she cannot just tell Michael. And so I'm sort of like watching their scenes and I'm, and I'm just kind of going, but I don't understand why you can't just tell him. Yeah. Is it yeah. to spare Why are him? you trying to pull all these strings with both Michael and Megan and basically set the course for the rest of Megan's life, whether she wants to or not, um, when all you could do is just tell Michael the truth? And then let Michael decide whether or not yeah. he wants to be with Megan. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, and, and really, does she really think he's going to be that torn up when he went off and had sex with another woman? Right. And not only went off and had sex, but was like, I want you to be my mistress. But decided he was going to, yeah. You know, it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a one night stand. He decided that no, he wanted to keep this person in his life. She was going to become life. Mike's concubine. Yes. So why why wouldn't she just tell him and then be like, but keep seeing Megan because you'll be with her when I'm dead. Well, I guess we get a little bit of the why here, though it's still stupid. Because I guess Kimberly doesn't trust anyone's free will. Um, so first thing is Michael tells Megan that Kimberly is, firmly in the past and that he's in love with her and she's his future, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then that's when Kimberly serves divorce papers to Michael at the practice, where we learn Kimberly has also quit and is no longer working as the receptionist. Of course. So um, who's doing that? But don't I don't know. know. I mean, they could hire Sid back because yeah. Sid maybe needs to stay a little bit further away from Kyle's, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, so, okay. 
This is this is the final scene we get with them. And this is the one that uh, my beloved wanted me to ask about. When Megan comes to Kimberly at the beach house. Um, did you notice the way Megan enters the scene? Um, it was from the deck, right? Yeah, they're on the deck. So she, like, comes up the side of the house, up the stairs, whatever. She does this thing where she, like, pauses right at the top of the stairs, puts one hand on her hip, and then extends the other hand and, like, does a half sachet, like, across the deck as she's, like, <laughs> trying to deliver her dialogue to Kimberly. She's, <laughs> and it's the, it's the funniest thing. Because, it does, like, it doesn't make, it doesn't fit the conversation at all. So we think it's hysterical. We're like, we like leave the house sometimes and pretend to walk like that for a few seconds. So if any of you listening to this thing happen to see us acting like fools, just know it's their own personal in-joke. Listen, there's COVID. We have to do whatever we can to give us a throat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so she does that. And um, Kimberly weakens, right? When they're talking, she like... She kind of staggers backwards. On the, the, the beach chair, the lawn chair, whatever, she on the patio. Um, she wants, she wants Megan to marry Michael now that she has divorced Michael. And then she, when she dies, she will leave everything to Michael and therefore Megan. So she will bankroll them for the rest of their lives. Um, it's a very like wings of the dove type thing. Who knew? Who knew? Kimberly, who has Everyone's bank accounts change from, well, Truly, everyone's bank accounts do change from week to week, but not from, like, bankruptcy to wealth like that. The only thing that I could focus on, really, in this scene was how great Kimberly Rutherford's hair looked. Kimberly, Wait, not Kimberly. You mean Megan Rutherford? Megan, Megan yeah. Ke- Kelly yeah. Rutherford's hair looked. I loved her hair in this scene. I was just staring at it, like, her hair looks really good. I wonder if my She's hair really pretty. That. She does have nice hair. Funny yeah. you mention that, though. Kimberly has, like, wavier hair in this episode. If she has is- new hair. Which is, I guess, to suggest that, you know, the cancer is really getting to her. Yeah. Um, that she, like, her her hair done. can't fight it with being straight. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, but no, but, um, yeah, Kelly does have, have pretty hair. Yeah. And she will do the rest of her seasons. I'm sure she will. She's got great hair. Yeah. We, we're going to have to talk about Jane's hair for a sec also, I think. But um, Kelly, uh, yeah, Megan's hair is worth focusing on. Yeah, that's it for this story, right? Uh, if if not, it's going to be it it's, for the. You know, um, it's one, uh, it's like one chess piece at a time. But I mean, who's really checkmating who? That's my question. Now, can we also, as we're moving into the next sort of like storyline where everybody kind of overlaps, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. did you, where do you feel? I felt like the Cliffy should have been with Kimberly and Megan? Um, I sort of see this, but I think two things. One is we've had a lot, I think, throughout the last few episodes of it ending with Kimberly and Michael or Kimberly and Megan. Okay. And... I, uh, really, I think there should have been something with, like, Peter and Amanda that ended the episode, but what they have mm-hmm. isn't, wasn't that bold. Um, maybe Sid and Kyle. Episode, uh, maybe. maybe. We'll talk about the way they handle that scene. Yeah. I will say, the way they end the episode is not the episode's big storyline, 
but it, it is weird at that it. time the episode's big reveal. Which so let's just talk about let's just okay. talk about Jane. Okay. Um, Jane's still in Chicago right now. Her mom has had the surgery. Jane visits her mom post-surgery. I guess she's forgiven the mom for lying about her being adopted or not telling her. Um, but she again repeats the whole thing. She needs to know who she is now. She doesn't know who she is. I mean, Jane's really doing a lot of soul searching. S-O-U-L, not S-O-L-E, like the can title. I, can I just tell you? <laughs> I was totally surprised that the mother did, made it through surgery. Oh, really? Yeah, I was waiting for the plot twist of the mom dying. Because they made such a big deal about, oh, surprise, I have surgery I never told you about. But it's just nothing. It's minor. It's not that's important. Typically, anytime someone says it's minor surgery, that's typically, like, the giveaway, right? That's like in the yeah. war movies when they're like, I yeah. can't wait to get back with my girl. You know that they're the one that's going to get killed next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was totally. Totally waiting for it, and like she didn't die, and I was. She didn't die. Spoiler alert: the mom does yeah, not die. It really That's was. Not, yeah, they took this. They took. They took Jane's little punching bag in a different direction. But the thing that made me laugh in this scene is, so Jane says, "Look, I found out that my birth mother lives in L.A., so I have to go back to L.A. right now and start looking for her." And she goes, "My plane leaves in an hour." I'm like, "You're still at the hospital in Chicago." Your plane leaves in an hour. You're already too late. You no, wouldn't even... Before 9-11. Yeah, but you this still have to get there. from the hospital to the airport. That's still going to be more than an hour. Yeah, but it was... What if she had to check luggage in? I mean, I guess she didn't, but... Um, like, just because now security is a bit worse post-9-11, a bit, a lot worse post-9-11, <laughs> You still had to, like, stand in lines. You still had security to get through. You still had to deal with traffic. Like, she wouldn't even get out of the parking lot before that plane took off. <laughs> that is true. It is Chicago. But that's all we get of Jane with her family. So then um, she comes back to Melrose Place, and Sid, who's going through some stuff we'll get into in a bit, um, it's like, Jane, I'm so glad you're back. I really need to talk to you. And Jane's like, not now, Sid. I've got my own stuff. And Sid tries again. And Jane's like, no. Um, so then Sid, on a day she's not working, comes to see Jane at the boutique. And Jane yells at her. And that's when Jane finally says, we're not sisters. And she means it literally. She goes, we're, I'm adopted. And then, like, Jane walks out of her own boutique. Who's going to take care of the boutique? Sid wasn't even supposed to be working that day. Um, and, and Jane starts stalking her birth mom with the address that she had. She accosts the mailman who, uh, God bless the postal service. This guy's apparently been working there, that route for 10 years. I think 20. 20, did he say? Yeah, I think it was 20. And the mom might've lived there 10 years ago. Oh, that's where the 10 years comes from. Yeah, I think that was the, that's where it came from. Yeah. But, but he, she says the name of the woman that she believes is her mom who lived in this house. And he actually remembers. He's like, oh yeah, she was an actress. And so, she had a different name. Yeah. She had a different name. Not Sherry Larson, Sherry Doucette. So, okay, we're getting closer. Um, and this time at the uh, complex, Sid is able to talk to Jane again. And, and Jane like really pushes her away again. 
just obsessed with finding her birth mother. Um, and Sid is finally able to, like, reach her. And this is what you were talking about a bit, where, like, they really sort of redefined what the Jane-Sid-sister relationship has been. Yeah. Because until, essentially, Jane went after Richard... Um, there was no relationship. Jane may have had moments, but they, but they really hated each other. Yeah. Like, Sid resented everything about Jane. Like, this now, like, conveniently forgets how Sid slept with Michael and blackmailed Michael into marriage. Sid and Jane in the pool. Sid drugging and giving Jane a stroke. Like, it forgets those things. Um, but something else that, um, that I feel like in these scenes, I feel like Laura Layton is really carrying Josie Bissett. I would agree with that completely. Um, now, when Jane is doing some of her more insipid storylines, you know, like Josie Bissett, it's like pretty easy to just take at face value. When they give her not one, but two or three of these very heavy, dark storylines, Josie Bissett's really not up to it. Um, whereas Laura Layton can make any storyline shine, can make any personality quirk of Sid's feel believable and organic in the moment. Um, and I just feel like she is the one who is doing all the heavy lifting uh, in, in these scenes. I might have to divorce my husband. Okay. Do you have to do it right now? Not right now, but I think we can talk about it because I was watching this episode <laughs> and he was in the kitchen and he like kind of like looks over the TV, like looks over to the TV and he's like, God, when are they going to kill her off? I hate her. About who? Sid. Oh, that's not very nice. I was like, shut your soul. mouth. Although I think Alyssa would feel that way. She's my, I was like, she's my she's favorite like one on the show. Ooh, Alyssa just said, Sid is not important enough to hate. Ugh. So maybe Alyssa and Anthony need to run off together. Maybe they do. Good In their Lord. own Sid-free world. Good Lord. Because I was like, are you kidding me? She's the best one. Yeah. I mean, I really think that it, she she is the heart and soul of this show. I agree. So anyway, just put And that. so do the Golden Globe voters because they nominated her. So that. And she um, deserved every minute of really that nomination. Yeah. Um, and so we have one last scene with Jane, which I can't believe how long I actually talked about Jane. Oh, I was going to say something about her hair, which is um, it's like starting to grow out again, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. But that's, that's we can watch it develop. Yeah. Um, Jane has been, I guess, like searching Hollywood memorabilia shops downtown and um, finally goes to one as, you know, it's after eight o'clock, the guy is closing and she begs to be let in to look up, you know, whatever old files he has about these like actresses of yore. And she's able to find a file of her mother, Sherry Doucette. So this is the final moment of the episode because even though it's not been a good storyline in the episode, it's technically for soap viewers, a big reveal we get our first look at Jane's birth mother. And it's the actress Donna Mills, best known for Knott's Landing. So now, if you're watching, you know to get excited that Donna Mills is going to be guesting on, um, on Melrose, which is, you know, tantamount to Linda Gray coming in as Heather Lockyer's mom. 
from Dallas. It's another one of those pass the torch things. Well, people were excited in the moment. Well, hopefully then this is worth being excited about when she, because uh, I, I assume Donna Mills will be on the show now. Donna Mills, I think, comes in next episode. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So this, I think we're in, these aired in December of 96, starting with this current episode. So we've got like some Christmassy, not like theme, but you know how like, they finally, I think, ratchet up a little bit right before they leave you off for the holiday. Um, so I think we're going to be getting a little bit more than the dollops we've gotten so far. Okay. Or recently. That's that's my wishful memory, I guess. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, and now we've just kind of got one big swirling sort of storyline for, for several of the remaining characters on the campus, right? Uh, yeah. They're, they're all sort of, they all sort of intersect in various points. We got, if we have Kyle and Taylor and Peter and Amanda and Sid and Craig and Billy and Sam, they all sort of they dovetail. do all sort of dovetail. So, um. I mean, I, I think we can pick off where we left off, which is Kyle shows up at Melrose the next morning. Um, and, and he basically gets to his apartment as Sid is leaving her apartment for the day. Um, and they exchange a look and, and before they can do anything more to confirm, like how far things went the night before, that's when Taylor opens the door. So glad that he has come back. Cause remember he stormed out because she was dishonest about never seeing Peter again. Right. So, so Taylor is none the wiser. Um, he tells her that he slept at the restaurant. Taylor apologizes about Peter and, and says, I won't break any more promises. That's it. Uh, he comes inside. They kiss. And while they're kissing, he sees Sid look at him through the window. Um, look, I think Kyle and Sid, in many different ways as a couple, has potential. And I think this storyline is going to squander it. But... Until then, they do a little bit more, you know, padding. Sid goes to visit Kyle's kitchen at work. Um, and that's when they finally confirm that they did sleep together. So I don't yeah. know if they did it in the restaurant. Because if they went to Sid's next door, someone would have caught them. So it was probably all in the restaurant. Yeah. Um, and, but he says it's a mistake and it can't happen again. Now, he is cleared at the kitchen. All the chefs he yells at to leave so he can have this conversation with Sid. Uh, well, because he kicks all the chefs out, Taylor comes in to see what's what. So, you know, Sid kind of gets the heave and she gets it. And she's devastated. You know, she walks out. She's uh, got a broken heart. Yeah. Um, and and she let herself fall for this guy. Probably the first guy she's actually fallen for since Michael. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Whoever else she was with, and it's not a long list aside from the Jones, um, like she was really only ever hung up on Michael. Yeah. Um, And then, and then the next morning, there's a quick bit where Kyle and Taylor really seem to have reunited. They're coming back upstairs from the pool, um, and that's when they see Sid. You know, Kyle keeps stopping in his tracks and giving like 
puppy dog eyes to Sid. Like, oh, I'm sorry, but I can't. And then moving on. Um, that happens. That's the moment when Jane comes back and Sid tries to talk to Jane and Jane brushes her off. Yeah. So, okay. That's the, that's, that's the Kyle and Taylor stuff for now. Meanwhile, Peter and Amanda continue to disalign. On the line, misalign. Which is weird because when we left them last episode, didn't they realign? They realigned, but then Peter had that freak out in the surgery when he walked out. Right, but again. And I don't think they, like they, I think Amanda and Peter talked when he was talking about the one who died post-surgery. But then I don't think he, he didn't talk to Amanda again after the surgery where he walked out, which was going to be like an all-night surgery or something. Right, right, right. But but Amanda is making all these snarky comments, like like about Peter not working, and like like she's start she's doing that to him again. When I thought that they had already kind of worked that out the last. Well, episode. I think it's I think it's because he's just full of self pity here. And then I think Amanda tells Amanda. Amanda tries to tough love Peter out of his tailspin because she only knows that Peter ducked out of the surgery last night because Matt knocks on the door to check on Peter. And I think the fact that Peter was dishonest or lied by omission with with Amanda is kind of what triggers her to, to, to say that. I thought she was laying into him before Matt showed up. Like, like Matt interrupted her laying into him. Like, cause she was like, did you shut my alarm off? Because, you know, some of us have to get up and go to work. Unlike you, we, you know, I can't lay in bed all cause she's, she's late for work. Yeah. I feel like she was harping on him like immediately, like before she even knew what had happened. Like this wasn't tough love. Yeah, there. Well, I can't remember where we left off the last week. If they were already just being cold to each other, or if they had gotten better. I remember that they had like, like reconnected at the end. Yeah, of the I thought they had reconnected, had and so I and, don't know. You're right. And there was this sort of like forgiveness, and she, you know, especially since he had lost that patient, and she's like, you know, I'm sorry for being so hard on you. I'm sorry for you know being difficult. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember because I got hung up on the thing she was saying about the alarm. And I think it was the way she said it. I just couldn't tell, like, was she trying to be cute or was she actually trying to cut him down? Where the dialogue makes it sound like she was trying to cut him down, but I wasn't necessarily getting that. But now I don't remember. No, I I was like, Jesus Christ, why is she cutting him down again? I thought that they mm-hmm. they, okay. they got over this last last week. Well, they're not over anything by the end of this week. Definitely not. Um... So, meanwhile, she leaves Peter and takes a call from, of all people, Arthur Field, uh, who says he's going to be serving Craig with a lawsuit since he took over D&D, which is technically his right. Um, yeah, the, the one, legitimate takeover he's going to Which, like, that. legally is his. Yeah. Um, but okay. So, so now he wants um, Amanda to spy on Craig. Um, meanwhile, Craig is still, like, not suited for this role he has anointed himself to. Uh, He says he's been dodging calls from the Midline Airways client. um, And apparently, like, Allison is really the ace in the hole with Midline because he said, I thought you said that you could get Allison and Amanda lies. And she's like, I'm working on it. And it's like, 
is Allison this important or not? Don't talk about her when she's not in the room like that. Um, but I guess Amanda is able to save the day because apparently whatever the next pitch meeting is goes really well. And afterward, Craig demands that he take Amanda out to dinner. Um, now, let me know if I've missed anything at this dinner. Craig tells her he knows about the lawsuit and it says he knows too many family secrets, right? And then he also, like, basically hits on Amanda and demands yeah. that she go on the dance floor with him. Which yeah, I didn't... Stop here. Well, actually, I'll, I'll come back to it. No, I don't want to... I don't want to knock your train of thought. So what were you going to say? No, I was just, this whole thing that I, I, no, I know, I think I know where you're going to go next because I'm about to go there because this whole thing was so confusing. I don't understand what's going on with Arthur Fields. I don't understand what's going on with Craig. I definitely don't understand what's going on with Craig and Amanda. I don't, like, the whole thing is so convoluted and I'm just like, what the fuck is this? I, th th this and I, I'm and I can't honestly like I don't even want to watch it anymore. And I like Michael Debars. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what. Like, part I mean, but he's like he even he even he like I feel like he belongs in a Scooby Doo episode. He's like a Scooby Doo. He villain. really does. Yeah, he really is like twirling his mustache. Yeah, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, okay. I have one quick question. Yes. Where are these fancy restaurants with dance floors that you can have your meal and go and dance and then go back and have your meal that isn't like on a cruise ship or in a 1930s movie? Oh, the Rainbow Room used to be like that. Yeah, but and that was the like Rainbow a nineties thing. That was a nineties thing. I don't I totally guess, a nineties thing. I guess I was only eating at chain restaurants into the nineties. So I guess by the time I was an adult of dating age, they were gone. I mean, I don't it was, really remember. I don't know. It was it was definitely a holdover from like the sixties and seventies. You know what I mean? Like I like it was like a thing. I think when like my grandparents would go out, they would go to dinner and dancing. Dinner and dancing. You know, like it was a thing, and then um, and the dinner and dancing would happen in the same place. It wasn't going to dinner and then going and then to somewhere dance. else, right? Yeah. No, but, but I, I didn't think places like that still existed even then. Oh yeah, no, the Rainbow Room oh. was the big one. Um, I feel like. Maybe the Marriott with the revolving. Oh, but it's not like every place, right? I mean, this makes it look like almost every restaurant in Beverly Hills you can do this. Which maybe I mean, I don't live in LA in the '90s. Maybe you could. I I don't. I I really don't know. But I remember the changeover. Interestingly, happened um, when night when restaurants almost like kind of became nightclubs. So like you would have right. like people going to like Balthazar as you know which was like and it was essentially like food but it was also like a nightclub and oh what was the one that was in the village i can't i went there one night and it was again like a very strange like you would have dinner but it was also a nightclub and that and it was mm -hmm. like literally like dinner and dancing like you would go there for dinner but like there was also like a dance floor sort of like i remember we were like up on the second level at a table and you could like look down and see people dancing and it was really loud um and rather unpleasant i had lobster mm. i just i'm like i randomly remember i had like lobster tail that was like what i ordered 
Um, and I can't remember for the life of me. No, I don't know what that could be. Called. And it was like the place where like Paris Hilton would go dance on pot on the tables, like, and she was like fourteen. No, I got nothing. It was know. always in page six, like Paris, like like spotted Paris Hilton dancing on the tables at this place, and it was like a restaurant slash nightclub. But no, um, I don't know. Yeah, and bottle service and all that kind of thing. Right. And then these kind well, of Well, then like, oh, then that's true. I guess and then there were a bunch of those places in the meatpacking district. I just feel like those were more club bar things than like sit-down restaurant combined. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was very different than like the Rainbow Room. Like this was yeah. definitely much more, um, you know, like what they're doing in Melrose Place and Beverly Hills or whatever is definitely more the Rainbow Room speed. But I feel like what that was kind of transitioned into this other thing where it was like a nightclub plus dinner. And now I don't even think that exists anymore. I think you just go to dinner. Or in, co yeah. in COVID times, you don't go anywhere. Now you don't go anywhere, period. Indeed. Um, so, okay, back to Melrose. Um, I think it's the next morning, and Peter is dressed and ready to go out golfing. Um, and, and he's, like, being all passive-aggressive at her. He's like, I can go out golfing because you were out the night before. So it's like tit for tat of being a brat. Um, but shut up, Peter, because A, this is Amanda's boss. She didn't want to go out with him. He demanded she go out with him. And second, you already are keeping your own secrets from her. So you're just wrong all around. So F you, Peter. Yeah. That's how I feel. I, I um, felt the same way. But this was about the point in the episode where Alyssa goes, the star of the episode is khaki pants. Because between Peter and Billy and some of Craig, we are getting a lot of, like, wide khaki pants. Okay. Um, which is a, a good time to talk about, I guess, uh, the little bit of Billy that we have. Um, after Billy has talked to Allison on the bench where he was trying to reassure her about Jake, he sees Sam in the courtyard who has gotten a new... She's got, is, is, I don't know if it's an easel or just new painting supplies from Craig. He, um, he's I think it was like both. Benefactor. It might have been both. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the thing was big enough to be an easel. It's definitely supplies of some sort. Um, but, he, but Billy asks her to go out with him again. And she's like, you know I'm seeing Craig, right? And, and he's like, yeah, but, you know, maybe you could give me another chance. Um, and then separately later on, Billy is talking to Craig, uh, and he basically says, like, I know you're seeing Sam, but don't hurt her. And he's like, Sam isn't your business. And Billy's like, if you hurt her, I'll kick your teeth in. Um, <laughs> like, again, Billy overstepping, no claim on Sam. She's a big girl. Um, and we do see then Craig buys Samantha her own studio space so she can paint outside of Jane's apartment. Um, I think that was everything with them, right? And I think that's all the Craig we get in the episode as well. Oh, we the no, because Craig takes um, Sam to that um, studio space. Yeah, oh, no, no, no. I just said you might have passed out that he bought her the studio space. So she can oh, I there. thought I thought, it, I thought it, we were still just talking about the easel. No, I missed that. I totally missed that one. 
I'm sorry. Yeah, at the very end, he takes her into this, like, loft area. Right. Um, and she goes, this is great. And he's like, well, it's yours. I rented this studio space out for you. So, yeah. 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 That's it. Okay, sorry. Missed that. Um, Karen is sleeping. Okay. <laughs> um, and then Peter goes to Kyle's, again, like a fool. Uh, and Taylor, as bartender, talks to him. Um, and it's it's fairly innocuous. It's fairly straightforward. She's actually being kind and objectively supportive. Um, Until... Then she says, I bet you wish Amanda was more like your first wife. I bet yeah. you wish she was more like Beth. And instead of, like, just walking out, he's like, eh, it's not fair to compare. <laughs> yeah, I know. He was like, oh, Taylor, it's not fair to compare them. I was like, you should have smacked her. That was a terrible thing. Yeah, that's when you get up and walk away and yeah. don't come back. Yeah. Um, but meanwhile, and I don't think there's much else to that conversation other than the fact that, again, through the kitchen, Kyle sees Peter talking to Taylor. Um, and then Kyle follows, and then Peter does leave. He's like, if I have any more to drink, I'll need to call a cab. Um, and so that, uh, he leaves and Kyle follows Peter out into the parking lot. And finally does tell him to stay away, which is something he should have done weeks ago. I, yeah, um, again, like, they were friends and now they're not. And now he thinks that he's got this thing going on with his wife. It's so strange. But at least be consistent with it at this point. Like, yeah. if you distrust Taylor, then you distrust Peter. So keep distrusting Peter and keep distrusting Taylor. Right. Like, stop, like keep up with that. Um, and I do think that amps up. Because we either have two or three episodes left before Christmas. And it's not like there was a huge gap. They really didn't take a break. But I do remember in my mind that that's kind of where they have, like, a point of no return. So so we're getting there. Um, and then we also have a scene, the one that you thought maybe could have been where they end the episode, which is uh, Sid leaves the boutique and Kyle is there. And, you know... Didn't he, I thought it was so great because she was sort of, I kind of really liked this moment where she was kind of clearing, cleaning up the boutique to get ready to leave. And she looks up and he is just kind of standing outside the door looking at her with his hands in his pockets. And it was very much this sort of, um, oh shit, what's the one with the uh, John Cusack and the boom box? Oh, say anything. Say anything. It, it but they also kind of set it up that. like he's an intruder, right? Like there's a suspenseful element to that too. Yeah, where where she's so you know unsuspecting that someone is there, um, but he's still like hangdog about it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. It, there, it was like I felt like the say anything moment, and I was like, and that's when I was like, I would really love to see these two like over like because I don't think Taylor is good with her with with um with him, and I don't think that they're a very good couple, and I don't think they belong together, and I do think that he and Sid do, and I think they would be adorable. Yeah, I do too. Now, we'll talk about this, I think, continuously throughout the season. I think the writers really missed out on a golden opportunity here, um, long game-wise, <laughs> actors on the canvas-wise, um, to, to somehow have, with Taylor's misbehavior, to have Sid and Amanda somehow al align and like mm. be fun. And yeah. that's something that will not happen. And I think that's a missed opportunity. I agree. Um, something else, now that, you know, they bring Taylor and Kyle, they say they're right, yeah, Taylor and Kyle in, like, um, like they're kind of your, our big deal new characters. 
as opposed to Sam or Craig or Megan, who are like new characters, but mostly serving like second tier storylines. Like Taylor and Kyle are big deals. And if they really aligned Sid and Kyle, like that could be the central couple. And that really could graduate Sid up to like our star player, like for real. Right. Like our true protagonist, as opposed to like side com- comic relief. So right. those are those are my other thoughts. But well, what did you think about what Kyle says to Sid now when he comes over to her? Oh, what was it that he said to her? He was like, um, yeah, it was just he kind of apologizes. Yeah, and he like kind of takes accountability. He's basically like, I'm really sorry. This can't yeah. continue, and it's it's not you, it's me. It's yeah, basically, but they have like this really gentle embrace. Yeah, and she's like, like they, they're not. They don't do anything dramatic. They don't do anything um, cliffhanger or soapy. Like yeah. they're kind of like normal humans about it. Yeah, yeah, and even she was like, you know, basically like sometimes life just sucks, and she's crying, and I thought that that was. I don't know. I thought it was a sweet moment, and again, this is why I really like the two of them together, and I'm really rooting for them to be put together. And I know they're not going to, and it's just kind of like, it's kind of crushing me already. Although, in a way, like, I feel like I'm really glad that I already have this information in my head, because I think I would have been... you really thought they were going to come into... I would would have, yeah, I would be even more crushed um, if they set this up and then took it away from me, because I really do think that this could have been a real game changer for the show in terms of what could have what they how they could have turned the storyline around how like you said an alignment between Amanda and Sid um now uh, Taylor can be the villain like full out you know like there are just so many there's so much potential here and then Sid could maybe get her happily maybe not a happily ever after but a happily for now with with a guy that she works really well with yeah, I agree. You know, and like, wouldn't she be great, like being front of house in that restaurant instead of Taylor? Right. She would be very good. I think she would be great. I think she would be perfect. But they so that's the episode. But they, yeah. guys, they don't do it. Um, yeah, I do think starting next week, um, a new gentleman enters Sid's life. Oh, oh, great. I mean, I guess so, she needs one at this point. Yeah, well, um, I, I, it's it's like a short-term thing. Uh-huh. But she, we'll see. We will see how you take to it. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. Well, this is how Karen took to this week's episode. And she's yeah. still yawning. Yeah. So um, we're going to quickly skedaddle away from the block and do a Hollywood Boulevard. And we hope you guys follow us over. Uh, and we hope you guys are doing well, and we hope you guys uh, can give us five stars, because it may save the world. A lot of hoping, guys. A lot of hoping. We're hopey. We're hopey changey. That's right. We are right. hopey changey right now. Mm, All right, y'all. Um, see you over on Hollywood Boulevard. That's right. Stay good. Follow us over there. Bye.